So, I, uh, I feel like this is one of those times in which God is saying, are you ready? You know what I'm saying? He's saying, are you ready in the sense that I believe he's on the move and he's asking if we want to go with him. Uh, I keep picturing this sort of wave, so to speak, like, hey, there's a, there's a wave coming. I don't want you to get, you know, the wave to crash through you and over you and past you that I want you to catch that wave with me. I feel like this is what the Lord's saying, and I feel like he's saying it for all of us, not just for, not just for the church as a whole, but for each and, us, each and every one of us individually. And, you know, I mentioned a few weeks ago, and as you guys know, the reason we're calling this series this month five is because we turned five uh, this month, uh, five years old as a church, and we have said over and over again that we feel like God continues to say to us that God is calling us to the same measures and steps and types of faith that he took us through five years ago to plant this church, that he's calling us as a church body into the same measures and types of faith again. And we're just really excited about what that means. And that's why we've kind of said, okay, God, we don't know what else to do, so we're going to begin with prayer. And we're going to start praying and just opening ourselves up to whatever it is you're calling us to. And so five for us wasn't like, you know, this moment where we'd kind of do this big exhale, you know, like, I think we're going to make it. You know what I mean? Um, so let's, you know, celebrate with some food trucks and, you know, some bounce houses or something. Um, <laughs> we thought it should be a little bit more than that and a little bit different than that. And, you know, five, I mentioned a couple weeks ago that five has, uh, as a number, has all sorts of meaning in the scriptures. And, um, and I've actually went back to what I read a number of times, like five times, I don't know, something like that. Um, and I thought we should go back to it too because I want us to recall and I want us to kind of connect once again with this whole meaning of five. And so I have on the screen sort of what I read a couple weeks ago about the meaning of five and what it means. And so I'm just going to read it once again. Five is indicative of being filled, prepared, and empowered to go forth on whatever mission God has given one to do. Fruit from trees is fit to eat in the fifth year. Five is associated with both bold prayers and being anointed with oil. Incense used during prayer and the anointing oil have five ingredients. This indicates that anointment and prayer are powerful. Prayer and anointing with oil define and declare God's authority, gifts, calling, favor, direction, purpose, and will. Five is ultimately connected to the themes of power, strength, fruitfulness, going forth, movement, anointing, prayers, and protection. So every time I read it, I'm like, all right, God, let's go fifth year. Let's do this. You know what I mean? So here's what I want us to do. Today, I want to talk about, I want to talk about what happened in the scriptures when people would come together and pray. I mean, have you ever thought about that? Like, what, what did God really do when people would come together and pray in the scriptures? I think we should talk about that. For example, I know like in 1 Kings 18, there's a story about the guy. This guy's name, his name is Elijah, and Elijah begins praying for rain. They've been in this drought, and it's been... It's been, it hasn't rained in years, right? And he begins praying for rain and tells his servant, hey, go out and look on the horizon and see if there's any rain. And there's no rain. And he comes back and he, says, he keeps praying. He says, hey, go again, go again. He sends him seven times. And on the seventh time, right after he keeps praying, on the seventh time he says, hey, there's a small cloud forming out on the horizon. And before they know it, there's like this torrential downpour coming on, on the land. And every time you read in scriptures, what happens when people come together and pray? You see the, t- the time in Jesus, right? He's talking to his disciples. He says, hey, I want you to pray, and I want you to keep praying, and I want you to be diligent in prayer. And then he gives them this parable. He gives them this story, and it's called the parable of the persistent widow, in which he says, just like this widow, she went to this judge, and she kept asking the judge for justice, but the judge was like, I don't want to give justice, but she just kept going back and kept going back and kept going back. And then finally the judge relented. And he said, okay, fine, because of your persistence, I'm going to go ahead and give you what you've asked for. 
Everybody gets that these ideas of persistence in life, it's like a principle of life, right? And everybody gets that persistence matters and it makes a difference. You know, so for example, if you're really persistent in being healthy and working out, right, you're gonna, it's gonna make a difference in your life, right? It's, your health is gonna be better as a result. And likewise, if you're persistent in eating donuts and cheeseburgers, it's gonna make a difference in your life, right? And in your health, I'm, I'm learning this these days. You know what I mean? And, and so we get that persistence matters in all capacities of life. It even, even studies, right, of education and learning and entrepreneurial kind of leadership, all those sorts of things, persistence is like what pays off every time. And Jesus in this passage says basically the same thing. He says, listen, persistence matters. It actually makes a difference. And he says that prayer is no different than anything else. So let me ask you a question. If I pray a prayer right now, if I say, God, Help me be a better husband, right? And that's my prayer. God has now heard that prayer, correct? Do I need to keep praying it? Hasn't he heard my prayer? And isn't God smart enough to remember it? God has heard it. He remembers my prayer, so why keep praying it? Because if I, don't, if I keep praying it, I act as if God does not hear my prayer and God is not smart enough to remember my prayer. Have you ever had this little, you know, gymnastics going on in your head about prayer? Yeah, like mental like gymnastics of going, God, I don't know if I should keep praying this or not. Am I not being faithful? Am I being, I don't know. Here's what I do know. I know that the bigger the prayers, the more often you pray, the more persistent your prayers are, the more often I see God working in those prayers. Because every time a prayer becomes the cry of your heart, God starts to move. And so for some reason, I'm seeing actually persistence in what he, Jesus is saying to us. It actually matters. Like there's this, this picture that he says, I know what your prayer is, but I actually want to see, do you believe that I can do it? I actually want to see that you actually care deeply about it because so often we pray a prayer, but we don't pray persistently or long enough or hard enough, and therefore, is it really a prayer or a cry of our heart? I don't think so. It's a momentary need that we say, oh, God, we need you, we cry out, but it's not really the cry of our heart. And so, what happens in the scriptures when people come together and pray? A couple of weeks ago, I took us to Acts 2, and I began the story, and I mentioned that the church was born in a prayer room. I showed you this image, right? This image in which... This idea that the church was born in a prayer room, and, I, and, and, and where this comes from is, is really how the story of the church begins in Acts 2. So a couple, about a month ago, during one of our first conversations as a team about this idea of 24-7 prayer and us stepping into prayer like we never have before, I just said something, honestly, pretty quickly, out loud, as if it was some sort of authoritative statement, which it, it wasn't. But I said, hey, I think we sh- everybody's going to pray about a number of things. They're going to pray about whatever they need to pray for, but as a church, we need to pray for these four things. We need to pray for the Spirit to come on us like fire. We need to pray for salvations and evangelistic outpouring. We need to pray for healings, and we need to pray for personal breakthrough. And everybody's like, yeah, that's good. Let's do that. Moved on, right? I've been saying that for the last couple weeks about that's what we need to pray for. And then a couple days later, after I said that, I'm reading in the scriptures, and I go, where do I need to go to start thinking about those four things? Because I need to figure out what we're going to talk about as a church as we enter into this season. And so I know that the statement, Spirit, come on us like fire, comes from Acts 2. That's a pretty obvious one for me. And so I go to Acts 2, and I begin reading, right? And so let me back up, and let's just talk about this a little bit. Acts chapter 1, verse 12. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to a room where they were staying. We talked about this, the room, right, that they were staying. They, were, they joined together constantly in prayer. So this room is now commonly known as the upper room, the scene of the Last Supper, all that good stuff. Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. It happens to be the same room, okay? 
Pentecost was a Jewish festival. We're going to get into that in a minute. It's very important to all that's going on in the city at this time. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. Here's that, that's, that, that language, right? That separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So I'm reading this, and here's that first prayer, right? That thing that I said, oh yeah, we need to be praying for this as a church. Here's the first one, that the Spirit would, would come upon us like fire. When, as the church would come together in one place, all together and pray, the Spirit would come on them like fire. This is what happens right here, right? So what does this mean? Because this is strange, the Spirit come on us like fire. This is like the weird stuff. This is like those weird Christians that you're like, I don't know about them. They're a little too Christian. You know what I'm talking about? They say blessed. They say Holy Ghost. They say stuff like that. That we're just like, why do they say that? I mean, those, that's these people, right? Are you with me? Come on. Like, people that talk about Spirit coming on us like fire, are, are, we think they're weird. And here we are saying it, and you're going, I don't know, Tim. So what does it say in verse 4? It says that the Spirit enabled them. So the Spirit came on up like fire, and the Spirit enabled them to do something. What did he enable them to do? Well, a lot of us are going to go specifically to what he enabled them to do. He gave them fung- tongues to speak in other languages, but um, we'll talk about that in a second. But he, I believe the Spirit enabled them to do the work that God wanted to be done. Do you understand? The Spirit enabled them to do what needed to be done. So in this instance... There's a festival going on in the city. It's the Pentecost, which is a Jewish festival that celebrates the harvest and the first fruits. Happens traditionally about 50 days after the Passover, which means it would be happening, you know, kind of in the springtime, in Mayish, right? So anyway, thousands of people have pilgrimaged to Jerusalem. The city is full. It's brimming with people. They're from all sorts of different nations. So there's Jewish people that speak different language, but there's also other sorts of people who aren't Jews that are in the city trying to sell stuff. Why? Because there's a whole bunch of people in the city. So, hey, show up, set up your table of merch and try and get some dollars, right? And so they're all selling their stuff because, again, this is like an international event, like the Olympics happening in the city. Everybody's there. Everybody speaks different languages. And all of a sudden, the Spirit comes on these people like fire, and they begin talking in languages that all these people can actually start to understand now what they're saying. Previously, they couldn't understand one another, but now they can understand these clearly Galilean Jewish guys speaking in languages they have no business speaking in. So everybody's taking notice and sort of shocked by this, right? The Spirit enables them to do what needed to be done, enabled them for the work of God that he wanted to be done in that place. And in this story, the church is born, right? God enables them to do something miraculous, allows them to do this. And then, as they're praying, as they, they prayed, and the spirits come on like, like fire. Um, by the way, I think a lot of us, uh, we think that, what does this mean? If I'm asking the Spirit to come on us like fire, does this mean it's going to be a miraculous kind of thing? It doesn't necessarily mean it's a miraculous thing. It means that the Spirit's going to enable you to think that, to do the thing that you can't do on your own. Are you with me? And so, so many times we need the Spirit to enable us to do something we can't do, and we actually aren't inviting the Spirit to come upon us like fire. So, I'm reading Acts 2, I'm thinking about these four points of prayer. I already see this first one. And then I keep reading, right? So, there's this story that unfolds, most of you know it, but the church is born in a prayer room, the Spirit comes on them like fire, and then Peter steps up to address the crowd. 
You guys know this part of the story. He steps up to address the crowd, and he gives a powerful sermon. I mean, this thing must have been like an incredible sermon, like the sermon of all sermons. I actually wish I had the notes on this sermon. <laughs> Look at what it says in verse 40 about this sermon, message, talk, whatever you like to call it. Peter gives a talk. Does that sound right? Anyway. With many other words, he warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 in a day, right? That's why I want those notes. I mean, I'm just, this is just like put this message on repeat on the podcast, right? You know what? So he says 3,000, so the Spirit comes on them like fire, enables them to go do his work. Then an evangelistic outpouring occurs, and salvation start occurring. And so we've been praying, hey, what if we saw a lot of salvation? What if we started seeing salvations happen within this church body? And the Acts goes on, and you guys have probably heard this before. It goes on, it says, The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Not just the 3,000 that day, but days later, days later, every day, there were people coming to know Jesus. So we have this prayer number two that God's put on our heart to be praying as a church, happening right here in Scripture, right? So if you keep reading Acts 2, the church starts to form, and then they start to do things like be devoted together one, to, to one another in prayer and other things. And then in Acts 3... Again, reading the story, remembering our four, our four prayers. In Acts 3, you get to this story where Peter and John are going to the temple to pray. Emphasis on the P-R-A-Y, right? They are going to pray. And as they arrive, Peter sees a crippled man at the temple gate, and something miraculous happens. Acts 3, verse 6. Peter says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I will give to you. So there's a crippled man at the gate. He says, I don't have any money for you today, but what I do have, I'm going to give to you. And what does Peter have in this instance? He has the power of God in him. He knows this. And he says, and he realizes, I can actually share this. And so if you know anything about the story, he then does the first healing of anybody in the New Testament that was done post-Jesus with the new disciples, right? This is the first healing that's occurred. He heals the man. The guy gets up and he starts walking and it becomes the talk of the city. So all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, yeah, there's prayer number three. It's a story about healing. That we would be, really, this whole story of the church seems to be very much about the Spirit coming on us like fire, seeing salvations, seeing healing, seeing the restoration of people physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And I believe for us, if we want to be followers of Jesus who really claim Jesus, we have to believe that not only is God the creator of the world, and the author of life and death, he also has the power to heal. Are you with me? So, I believe he wants us to pray for the Spirit to come on us like fire. I believe he wants us to pray for salvations, and I believe even in the immediate, like I want us, I believe we should be praying for salvations. Easter will be a big deal for us this year. I pray that you are praying to, for people to come into our church that need to know him and need to give a relation, give their hearts to him and have a relationship with Jesus. And he wants us to believe in the power to heal, to heal those who need it. And some of us know people in our life that need healing, and we need to start praying for them and believing in faith. So we put the prayers right in our heart. We said it with our mouths, but it was already in his word, wasn't it? And that's what's so um, beautiful, is these stories that we read in the Bible of when people come together and pray. This is actually the story of the church, and it's the story of the rival, and it's who we must be, right? So this isn't new. 
But this, friends, is what happens when we come together and pray constantly, when we pray with persistence and faith, when we don't let someone else do the work, but we join the work. So what about this personal breakthrough part, the last prayer that I mentioned? Well, I've come to see this as a bit of a promise, that for those who want to come together and pray and those who pray with persistence and faith, well, breakthrough's coming. And some of us really need breakthrough, and whether that be breakthrough in our marriage or breakthrough with a vision from God or breakthrough with addiction to get, get uh, whatever addiction or sin that is stealing life from us, breakthrough's coming for those who are willing to pray. But here's the challenge that we all face is that so many of us, we don't pray big enough or long enough or hard enough. We just don't. We don't pray long enough or hard enough. We pray weak, vague prayers, hoping God will break through and provide beyond what we ask for. I want you to hear something. I don't think God answers prayers that aren't prayed. I know that sounds really ridiculous to me when you say that, but I hear so many people talk about their dissatisfaction in life and their hurt and their pain, but at the same, in the next breath, they're so limited in the prayers that they pray over those things. And there's we struggle to actually get on our knees and pray long enough and hard enough and through something enough to actually see breakthrough, and then we wonder why God won't answer the prayers that we haven't even uttered. God works through faithful, consistent praying. So, all that to say, I think we know what we need to be praying for. There's a story in, a, <laughs> in Matthew 26 where Jesus and his disciples go to the Garden of Gethsemane. Cinnamon. It's a hard one to say. You guys know the story, right? And Jesus is praying, and he's praying. This is the prayer right before, prayer right before he gets uh, arrested and eventually crucified. And he's praying, and it's like, you know, his sweat is like drops of blood, and he's having that scene, and he asks some of his disciples to go with him. And there's this moment in verse 40 when he's asked them to go and pray with him. It says, Then he returned to his disciples, and he found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Peter's not looking like Mr. 3000 now, is he? <laughs> Let me start over. <laughs> then, he re- then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Couldn't you keep watch and pray with me for one hour? Watch and pray, right? Watch and pray that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Anybody with me on that? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing when it comes to all sorts of faithful things. We're like, oh, I want to be faithful. I want to step in. I want to trust. I don't want to fear that. I want to step in. Yet, The flesh is weak, and when it comes time to actually do it, we step back in fear, we step back in our comfort zone, or we get too busy, or whatever it is that the flesh tells us and gives us the reason why we can't do it, the Spirit is leading us to. The flesh always does this to us. So I want to make one last, if you will, encouragement for anyone in here to join us for an hour of prayer. Step in and do the work with us. I know it's a step of faith. I know it's weird for some of us. I know it's awkward. I know it's out of our comfort zone. I know it's out of my comfort zone. I know you may be busy or you may feel like, I don't need to come up here to pray. I can pray anywhere. I get it. 
you can pray anywhere. But there's something alive in the, in the vision of saying, when people come together as the church and pray constantly, the Spirit does something. It's alive in the scriptures. It's the story of the church, that they were devoted together in prayer. So I'm not inviting out of any pressure or guilt. That's not what this is about. But this is an invitation to anyone who may be curious if this prayer thing really works. This is an invitation to anyone who maybe just wants to grow in their faith with the Lord. There's no reason that all of us shouldn't be able to say, couldn't you keep watching and pray with me for one hour? There's no reason that one of us can't stay. I don't want anybody sleeping through this one is what I'm trying to get at. I don't want anybody missing out on potentially what God may have you. Do I know if it's going to be this miraculous like moment in which the Spirit comes on you like fire and you start speaking another language? No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. I haven't told you it's not necessarily about the miraculous. It's about being faithful and obedient and then to get the Spirit enabling us to do the work that He wants done, whatever that may be, right? So there may be full-time slots. There may be slots that just don't work for you, but that's why I said... You just double up, triple up, it doesn't matter. Commit and show up and pray for an hour. So many people talk about taking steps of faith and then they are unclear about what to do. Have you been there? I want to be faithful, but I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to do. I'm telling you, this one's pretty clear. Commit to pray. Commit to pray. That's all it is. We see in the scriptures when people come together and pray, God moves. So I want to give you a tool this morning and then we're going to worship in just a few minutes. Uh, that I think will help any of us. Because here's the second part that I know could be an excuse that someone says is, I don't know exactly what to pray for an hour. I don't know how to pray for an hour. Here's the deal. I don't know how many of you actually paid for one-hour stretches, but I think there's a few of us that probably do that regularly. We pray for shorter stretches of time. I've, I can count probably uh, on one hand how many times I've sat for one hour and prayed solid. I mean, it's, it, I pray many, many hours, friends. Many. <laughs> But I just break it up. You know what I'm saying? So for a one-hour stretch, like, what does that look like? And so we've thought about this and said, what if we gave a little bit of help to all of us to make this seem a little more like you can wrap your mind around it? And so I want to give you this little thing that is hopefully a resource of how to approach an hour of prayer. Each of these six sections, I'm calling this a little bit of a prayer wheel, is intended to last 10 minutes each. And... Obviously, you can pray however you want. There's no rules in this. You don't have to use this at all. I want you to do what the Lord leads you to do. But for anybody saying, I could use a little guidance, this is intended to help you for that. And so I'm just going to walk through these really quickly, and, and you'll, you'll get a sense of these things. But if you begin, if you walked in the room, just imagine walking into the room. There's a prayer room or whatever that we're going to walk into, and it's low lights and a little bit of worship music is playing, and you come in and and you have the opportunity to begin praying, and you can just say, okay, I want to give the first 10 minutes of this time to just thanking and praising God for his goodness. And so you just start lifting up prayers. You may just want to pray on your own. You want to pray out loud. You may want to write them out. However you want to do it, there's options for all ways that you can pray. And for 10 minutes, you just start giving thanks to God for his goodness. And then you move into a time and say, okay, God, I, I want to confess. I want to confess any sins that I have before you. And I want to cleanse my heart, and I want to go into this sanctification kind of mode of which I'm saying, Lord, would you forgive me of my sins? And, and, and get all that out before the Lord and say, God, I want, I want to move out of this room, and I want to move out of this space, like uh, having confessed everything to you. And then imagine, because it's there in the corner, there's, there's a little place with a communion set up. 
And you could say after you confess your sins, you could say, okay, Lord, I want to come to you and commune with you. And so you go and you take communion with the Father. And then after you take communion, you move into a time of praying over these corporate prayers that we've, we've mentioned. Spending time praying for our church to experience the Spirit come on on them like fire, to see an evangelistic outpouring of salvations, to start praying for healings in, our, in, in not only our lives, but the lives of those around us, right? And so we go into this corporate time of prayer in which you're praying for the corporate needs that we have. And then, after you spend 10 minutes doing that, you go into a, a period of 10 minutes of intercessory prayer. And if you don't know what intercessory prayer is, it just means you're interceding on behalf of others. You're praying for other people. There's a section in our room in which there's going to be prayer cards that you can, you can make requests and you can read requests. And they're going to be hanging on a tree and you just walk over there and you say, okay, I'm going to start praying over these, these requests. And you just start praying for those people. You may go over to a section in the room that, that has our city and kind of uh, images of our city and world. And you start interceding on behalf of our city and our world. And you spend 10 minutes doing that. And then once you've done those things, you say, okay, Lord, I have some needs too. And you start praying for personal breakthrough and you start praying for the needs that are in your life. You spend 10 minutes doing that. Pray boldly and faithfully. And then you finish with 10 more minutes of just being quiet and listening before the Lord. Say, Lord, is there anything else I need to hear from you today? Is there anything that I need to know? Anything that you want to speak to me? And if you hear something or you hear a word or you hear, have a picture, you have, God gives you like a, maybe he, remember I, I've shared with you pictures before. People have shared with you pictures like, oh, I see a wave or I see this. Maybe you get a picture of something and you're like, I'm going to write that down. I'm just going to start praying. What is God saying to me about that? And then the hour's up, right? And you're like, wow, where did the hour go? Can I get another hour? Because that went way too fast. Are you with me? And so this is not scary. This is not weird. This is not, this is not, um, this is not, you know, you having to go do something that you've never done before. It is you just saying, God, I believe that if I step into prayer and I actually start praying the way that maybe you instructed us in scriptures to pray, started believing the things that you wrote in the scriptures could be for us that perhaps, just perhaps, we'll start seeing these small steps of faith lead us to the big steps of faith that you want us to take as people and as a church. And so we're invited you into something, right? And what I'm saying this, this passage, by the way, in the Matthew, the Matthew passage with the disciples, again, it was just like, okay, Lord, I remember the disciples were sleeping one time. I opened the Bible and I read it. Could you not watch and pray with me for one hour? I know this is something that all of us can do and I don't want us to miss it or sleep through it. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to close with a couple songs of worship and... We wanted to give some space at the end um, for us to listen to the Lord and as a church begin this two weeks of prayer, hopefully with prayer. And so perhaps more than normal, I'm encouraging you to come and pray. Um, that this morning, even though we start tomorrow officially, that this morning would be sort of the, the starting line for us as a church to say, hey, we are committed to this. And so you're like, well, what am I going to pray now? Maybe you're just going to pray, God, God, I'm all in. God, I'm open. Maybe you're just coming forward and saying, God, would your spirit be poured out? Like, I want to see that in my life and in the life of this church. I want to see it. Maybe we just start begin, we start praying for these things. Maybe we start praying for exactly what we just talked about, for healings and salvations. And as a church, that we would actually move and be devoted together in prayer. And so I am saying this altar's open, and I'm saying maybe your step of faith begins now 
by saying, you know what? I'm going to actually begin praying today. So, no bells and whistles today, right? No big flashy stories, except the story of the church and how it began. So I, I'm going to pray for us. And as we're worshiping, you're going to hear Micah come in a moment. He's going to read a prayer similar to how Leslie did over our church. And if you're praying while he does that, just keep praying. Um, if you're worshiping, of course, keep worshiping. But Let me pray for us, and then we'll open this time. God, we pray that as we take these moments that we have left today together, this time of worship and prayer, that, Lord, you would have freedom in here, that people would step in faith and people would step into prayer, even if they're reluctant to do so, even if it's just in our heads right now that we should do it. Lord, may we, may we honor that and may we step in faithfully. And Lord, allow you to then to sort of overtake our heart for what you want to do in us. So God, I, I thank you for each and every person that's here today. I thank you that, Lord, you've given so many good things to us. You've gifted so many people. And Lord, at Yet in all that, we all need personal breakthrough. We all need your help. We all need your provision. We all need from you. And Lord, I pray that this isn't just about our needs, but this is about us becoming who you've called us to become. And so I pray right now that this whole, this whole idea of prayer, that it isn't for our sake, but it is for your sake. It is for us to step into the things that you've invited us to, the promises that you've laid out, and the picture of what it looks like to be the church. And so Lord, I pray that over us today. Holy Spirit, would you come right now? Come right now, Holy Spirit, and start to move in our hearts. Start to fall in this place. Start to move in our hearts in such a way that it would usher us into your presence. We pray all these things in your name.